0: Welcome to LawLight, a quick dose of legal levity as we shine some light on the heartbeat of the legal field. I am Melinda Delmonico, CEO of Gibson Arnold & Associates, and today I'm joined by Larry Lee, a partner with Jones & Keller, for our Diversity & Inclusion series. I am so delighted to introduce our guest, Larry. Larry Lee, a shareholder and attorney with Jones and Keller. Larry represents employers both in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors in a wide variety of industries. He's been practicing for over 25 years in Colorado and continues to mentor many law students and younger associates that are from diverse backgrounds. So personally, Larry is one of my favorite attorneys uh, in Colorado, probably nationally and is one of the best employment lawyers I know. So Larry, I am so pleased to have you. Thank you for being on the, on the program.
1: Hey, I'm honored to be speaking with you and grateful that you invited me, Melinda.
0: So tell me about your career path.
1: Well, unlike some attorneys, I knew I wanted to be an attorney or firefighter after going to a school um, career fair in the fifth grade. And I'm not going to tell you the year because that would be dating myself. <laughs> um, and we had to write a reason or reasons why we were interested in those two careers. And the reason why I wanted to go in one of, or the other, specifically law or firefighting, was because I simply wanted to help people and put out fires. And before law school, uh, my father, who was a professor for a university, um, was letting me know that he didn't think he was getting sufficiently paid um, by the university. He was one of the lower paid professors despite having the highest rankings for, from students, also having the most research and publications and doing the most for the college community. Um, I wrote a letter, I basically ghost wrote and gave him some proposed language um, that he could write to the president. Um, he, because of his high ethical nature, he really didn't feel comfortable doing that. And then one day he said, uh, Larry, I, I sent the letter. Um, and then about a month later, he became one of the top three paid professors. And for me, it wasn't so much just the result. It was my father, um, expressing his gratitude
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: um, it's kind of a breakthrough in our relationship as well in terms of him truly and sincerely um, feeling um, happy that I was able to do something for him of a substantive nature. So to summarize my career, um, I started out in state and local government as a young litigator, helping out the senior litigator when it came to lawsuits and claims filed against the employer, which was nice about that as a younger attorney, I carved out a nice foundation of learning employment law through litigation and trials against some very talented labor and plaintiff attorneys on behalf of public officials in their departments. In the mid 2000s, I then accepted an offer to become an employment litigator and trial attorney for a well-known national law firm on behalf of employers and have not looked back since. During that time, I have defended many employers in high profile discrimination, harassment, retaliation cases, as well as wage and hour class and collective actions. Um, I moved over to Jones & Keller several years ago because it's a local and regional firm and I was able to control aspects of my practice a lot better. And I also have slightly shifted my representation of employers to especially include advice and counsel for prevention against employment claims, uh, regardless of what those claims are, with the exception of a few specialty items. Um, I still defend those labor claims on behalf of employers when asked.
0: So Larry, I love your story and what is so beautiful. I mean, just the idea of putting out fires, uh, (laughs) you're definitely, you're definitely in a practice area where you have to do that um, with, with helping employers and what a, what a beautiful story about your dad. I mean, that you literally helped him resolve an employment claim before you even started in this, down this path. So thank you for sharing that. It's, it's really inspiring to hear. How do you define diversity and inclusion?
1: Well, working with a lot of uh, leaders, general counsel, but especially um, HR directors, VP of um, HR, um, what I've been taught is diversity can take place in one of four ways, which can be an and or, which means it could be either, or it could combine all. So you have the first kind, which deals with immutable characteristics. In in other words, internal characteristics of an individual that they're naturally born with. It can also, diversity can apply to external differences, depending on one's education, their appearance, and even life experiences. Um, Diversity can certainly relate to organizational differences between one employee and another, and that is an easy one to dissect. It's basically manager versus employee. could be based on job title, pay, employment status. And the fourth typical type of diversity that we're talking about in our world, combine the internal, external, and organizational diversity factors and forms our view of the world, whether it's business, whether it's political, whether it's moral, and essentially what are your philosophies on on how you handle yourself as well as how you handle your business. Mm -hmm. Um, Inclusion really has to do with either those in charge or even employees or a collective group um, including, and that's the key word, another individual or group that is different from him or her or them into the organization by making that person, individual or group feel integrated as part of the whole. The goal is to get away from the term silos. And unfortunately in the legal community that happens simply naturally out of the fact that people tend to work together um, in their separate practices of law. Um, you know, I I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, but at the same time, I, I think it's very important for organizations, especially those in the legal community, to get to know others, um, especially those who are di- diverse under their roof.
0: So why is this an important issue?
1: Well... As I advise my clients, I believe mutual trust and respect, despite any differences in any of the diverse factors, form the essential and critical foundation to any successful work relationship. Well, that sounds good, but what does that mean? That essentially means that an employer's goal or one of them should be able to successfully implement a diverse and inclusive management style, um, either by formal planning or also by modeling within the workplace. And what that leads to is better morale, better efficiency, collaboration, and then production rises to the top of the curve. And before you know it, you're much better than the competitor, not only in this area of DI, and i but also in your business.
0: Yeah, and I'm just kind of reflecting on some of your comments as it relates to the whole idea of silos. And when we're looking at this right now with so much that's, so much has happened in 2020 in our world, and this particular topic has come to the forefront, and you think about the situations where people do feel siloed and how from a collective perspective, I know we're talking about employers and we're talking about it from a different, various perspectives here, I think that's such an important word because it is you know you do, when you do feel included and when you feel ingrained in an organization there's so much there is so much more productivity. People leave I, with my work with watching changes in jobs and how people approach and why they want to leave. A lot of times it's it's that they have not they've been siloed they haven't been integrated they haven't they haven't felt like they're part of the team. Um, And other times they totally feel that way. Other organizations are really good with that.
1: That's exactly right.
0: So what is your approach to diversity and inclusion?
1: Well, having the foundation of being a second generation American born to South Korean immigrants who exposed me to various parts of the world and the U.S. essentially through many family vacations, I feel... I innately possess a natural comfort level with diverse individuals regardless of differences of the four diversity categories I gave you. As far as my application, this allows me to be part of the hiring process, also retaining and managing over teammates who provide a work environment that is naturally inclusive. So It could also be generational differences, which always seems to be a hot topic. Um, Despite these differences in cultural um, factors or even age, I think commonality, if one is able to show the ability to listen to the other and vice versa, um, commonality can be easily discovered. And... As a manager, I can see the greatness in others quite clearly.
0: So when you think about your experience as an Asian American background in your career, do you have advice for young lawyers that are starting out that that you've learned through these years dealing with this particular topic with employers from your own personal experience?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Do not be afraid. If it has, if you if you if you belong to a, a bar association that happens to be fitting with your um, immutable characteristic or even external characteristic of your interest, do not be afraid to join that association. Number two, you will more than likely be provided a mentor. And number three, don't just have one mentor; have several, and make sure in your own selection or approach in getting other mentors that they themselves have a, a diverse background, which means um, if, if you're male, there's nothing wrong with having a female um, mentor of color, um, one of a different sexual orientation, and one who may be Um, maybe two years older than you um, or even one that has been practicing like me for over 25 years. Um, There's nothing wrong with getting different perspectives that way um, while also making sure that these mentors take you out to lunch for free.
0: Which is nice. <laughs> Always. So, what are when you when you look at this topic in the legal field? What do you feel are some of the greatest challenges, and also what's going well?
1: Well, I, I have an objective perspective on this because I represent employers who are alleged to have committed discrimination, or um, you know, they're either internally or externally are being accused of not quite getting the D and I. Um, To answer your first question, I think the data still tells us that the legal profession continues to be disproportional to what we see in our society. So what that specifically means, and the greatest example, is while the percentage of female associate attorneys in law firms are almost the same as their male counterparts, female attorneys making partnership especially those in equity still hover around one-fifth to one-fourth of their male partners
0: Hmm.
1: that data point is pretty significant we've always heard that statistics don't always bear the truth or the complete picture however i think this is an exception to the rule another example is that asian hispanic slash latino and African-American percentages of attorneys in general, including those in partnerships um, or who made partner are still disproportionately low in comparison with um, their Caucasian counterparts, as well as the general population of these races in general. Um, finally, and objectively speaking, the legal community is well aware of these unimpressive numbers However, I think certainly in Denver, if not in Colorado, I think attorneys and judges of influence continue to make efforts and strides to improve on this disproportion um, and have volunteered their, their time outside of the legal community to help those numbers increase.
0: So with your experience with corporations, do you feel that the companies have this nailed down? Are they, or is corporate America in general still uh, in suffering in this topic?
1: It, it obviously depends on the culture and also the industry. Um, there are certain um, high labor in the field industries that really don't pay attention as much to issues of, of diversity and conclusion. But it, from the, the corporate manager's side, it may not be as necessary because um, when it comes to unskilled labor, you know, the, the numbers are fairly higher when it comes to those of color. With that stated, however, when we talk about uh, the four walls of a typical corporate office Um, I think Colorado, especially the larger corporations have done an excellent job in requiring that their own law firms that they retain externally have a diverse and inclusive um, proven data point and background. Um, And I, I also, from my humble experience with my own clients, whether it's a large corporation or small business as well as local government, seem to also be very conscientious in making strides in, in um, focusing on diversity and conclusion, not with anything formal per se, but more of just doing it, of just in the hiring and recruiting practices, which I'm sure we'll talk about shortly, um, they, they open up the ability to check out candidates who are of a diverse background. Um, you also asked me what is going well on this topic of diversity and in inclusion within the legal community. I think uh, as the local bar here in Colorado becomes more and more diverse, and it has, especially with female attorneys and also those of color, greater awareness and acceptance of, of diversity and conclusion seems to increase on the, on the graph and bias seems to decrease or get mitigated. It doesn't mean that there still isn't any inherently um, biased issues that go on that will, our, our history of this country has been grounded in that unfortunate foundation and it will, it will remain. However, various bar associations of color continue to show their positive presence in the legal community. More diverse candidates are being selected and retained on the bench, most particularly and certainly on the U.S. District Court. And mentorship of this continues to play a key role for DNI as millennials and Generation Z become more and more accepted by their older managers and peers. And I certainly see that in your company as well, Melinda. I mean, you're, you're a perfect example of a successful, smaller or medium-sized company that if you look at the, the makeup of your workplace, um, you have done nothing but great things in accomplishing DI while also having a successful business. Well,
0: thank you, Larry. So what factors make a great leader on this topic?
1: Well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, you know when we think of great leaders, we tend to broaden and not funnel down um, and move away from DNI. So I'm going to answer that question directly the way you asked it. What makes a great leader on this DNI topic is the leader should have a clear vision, that success can be achieved by relying on different internal and external people and experiences. This same leader then should also implement a policy or plan that makes d a win-win for the organization as it does for its client, the one that is paying and keeping that business successful. And of course, this starts with a more open recruiting and hiring process.
0: So when you, to go into that a little bit, a little bit further, what are, what are some meaningful actions that companies and law firms can take to recruit diverse candidates?
1: That, that's a great question. I think H, HR, human resources experts can better explain this in detail, but from my own personal experience, and again, practicing what I preach, listening to my clients on this particular issue, I would look at your present organization Uh, looked at who's occupying those positions and identifying where diversity is lacking, develop a plan for creating greater diverse hiring, and then simply execute it. I guess my message would be don't be afraid to converse and plan with your younger and established leaders who happen to be diverse and collaborate with them to come up with that plan. And Recruiting ensures recruiting should always ensure the firm standards and expectations for qualifications of a candidate, but not sacrifice the uh, focus only on diversity, but making sure you have a hundred percent standard of what is necessary for in order to consider someone for hire. And then finally. Make sure that you um, accept and foster diverse candidates once they are hired to succeed. It doesn't mean you have to overly go out of your way. More importantly, it's to make sure that they feel included.
0: Yeah, that, those are great points, Larry. And one thing that I that I want to add to your list that I've I've been contemplating more and more is I think that When managers are hiring, a lot of times they're looking for a specific position because they have a budget and you're looking at the financials of of an organization they have the headcount approved. But I think on this particular topic, I would encourage employers every time there's an opportunity to meet someone who is a, a great lawyer, someone who has a diverse background, I think you take the time you know, to, to cultivate talent, no matter how you do it. But I think the cultivation of talent becomes really important because I think about my first job out of college, I wanted to be, I wanted to work for a certain company. They didn't have an opening. And so I reached out to them. I built a relationship with the hiring manager of the group. that were part of the organization I wanted to join. And two weeks later, she called and said, Hey, we're now hiring. And so that cultivation, I think candidates can do that, but I also think it would be behoove employers to do the same, to make sure they take the time to cultivate.
1: Excellent point.
0: So what inspires you? Well,
1: that's another good question. Um, For me, it's who inspires me. Um, And I look to my parents. Uh, My mother, who raised three very headstrong children, installed confidence in me. Um, that i could achieve anything in life and really help form the basis of who i am personally certainly the good stuff not the bad stuff um, my father who came over to the us in the late 50s 1950s with thirty dollars in his pocket became a successful professor for 47 years his ability to achieve excellent health while taking care of his family in a substantive and meaningful way will always stay with me and is frankly the model for the way i handle myself around my wife and two children uh, professionally i i take a look in the mirror and realize that i've been blessed with a legal career that's taken me on various journeys in the courtroom against challenging labor attorneys working with excellent attorneys who are talented and diverse and really just off the top of my head, what truly inspires me in terms of the who are my clients, because all of them have the amazing ability to plan and succeed while never hesitating to contact me and say, I need help. And, you know, every day I, I say, may God bless my wonderful employers out there, especially my clients who always want to do the right thing. And, uh, that, on a daily basis, those types of thought processes and feelings is, are what inspire me.
0: Well, Larry, thank you, because I, I'm always very inspired with you, and thank you for being such a great leader in this field of law with employment, and so grateful to connect with you.
1: Thank you, Melinda. Continued success for you as a leader.
0: Thank you. So thank you to our guest, Larry Lee, for joining me today. And thank you so much for tuning in to Law Life from Gibson Arnold & Associates. Please like us and subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcast, and leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. We look forward to connecting with you again on our next episode.
2: We have found our way It's a brand new day And we'll be making history, are you? We have come so far, this is who we are, and like the rising sun, we have just begun to play our part, this is the time we form the chorus, lift your voice for those before us, we can rely on one another, feel the pride, let's show our colors.